0: You're listening to episode 58 of the Journey to Launch podcast. How to live a luxurious life without sacrificing your financial goals. 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers! Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. Welcome back if you are a returning listener, journeyer. If you are totally new, so happy to have you here. Either way sit down or if you're driving, I guess you can't sit, whatever it is. Just, I hope you enjoy this. Stay focused on what we're going to talk about. I have an amazing, amazing guest. It's funny. I know I say all my guests are amazing, but that's because they are. Okay. So I have a guest today who I'm excited to talk about because I believe she brings a different perspective from what I usually kind of bring on the podcast. And we're talking about someone who is in the personal finance space, does very well for herself in terms of hitting her goals, saving, investing, but she also likes nice things. And her name, or I should say the name of her blog, the name of her brand is called The Lux Strategist. And if you can't tell from her name, Lux, means she likes luxury. She likes nice things. And I thought that was interesting because listen, when you come into this world of personal finance, especially financial independence, you don't have too many people talking about the nice things that they like or have. There are a lot of talk around frugality and minimalism, which is fine, totally goes in line with being thoughtful about how you spend. But what about if you're a person who does like nice things, who does like more designer handbags or shoes or goods? How do you weave that into your financial independence journey? And so I wanted to have Lux on to talk about how she's doing that. How is she affording the things that she values while saving and still investing towards her goals? So just a little bit more about Lux. Lux is the child of low-income refugees from a third world country. So she wasn't born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Her dad finished third grade and her mom is still illiterate in every language. So she's the first person in her family to graduate high school and then college. And so even after living in the US for 30 years, she says her mom still works at the same blue collar job, never making more than $14 an hour. So this is a woman who really understands what it's like to come from nothing and who has worked her way up into a career in which now can sustain her lifestyle, but she's still really smart about her money. And why I like her brand and what she talks about is her tagline is personal finance for people who like nice things. And she believes that it's not that you can't like nice things and not be smart with your money. Those are not things that are mutually exclusive. You can do both. And she's gonna share how she's doing that. Before we hop into this episode, I to say, if you're enjoying the podcast, please continue to share with your family and friends. You can do that by sending them this episode, sending them the podcast, asking them if they heard it. You can also talk about it on your social media. So if you're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just on your regular Facebook um, profile to say, hey, have you checked out the Journey to Launch podcast and direct people there? It is how this podcast, how this message, how the movement journeyers will get out there more. So I appreciate that. You can follow me on all social media channels as Journey to Launch. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Journey to Launch. You can also join the thriving Facebook community. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash community. Also stick around because I'm going to talk about my favorite budgeting app YNAB and it goes so hand to hand well with this episode because we're talking about being able to afford the things you want in life, you know, whether that's luxury or not, and how do you do that? You do that if you understand your income and expenses and you do that with a budget. So I'm going to share a little bit in the middle of the episode why I love the budgeting app YNAB and why you should check it out. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journey to launch .com/episode58. Oh, I guess I should mention the reason I call her Lux is she's actually anonymous. So she doesn't share her information or her profile or anything on her blog. So I call her Lux because that's part of her blog name. So that's why I'm calling her Lux and not another name. All right. Let's get into this amazing conversation with Lux. Hey, Journeyers. I'm really excited about this conversation that I'm going to have with today's guest, Lux. Hi, Lux.
1: Hey, Jamila. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you?
0: Good, good. So I am speaking to Lux today, everyone, because I really dig her blog and her Twitter and Instagram and just all her social channels talking about her personal finance journey. And what I really like about Lux is that she is a girl who loves nice things. And I thought it stood out for me from most of the financial community where there's a lot of talk about being frugal and not spending money. It was refreshing to see a point of view of someone who is thoughtfully spending money, buying luxury things consciously that they love and enjoy. And I figured I have a lot of journeyers who are like that, who like nicer things, who like luxury things. So I thought it'd be great to have Lux on to share her journey and how she goes about her personal finance. Once again, welcome Lux.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. super excited to chat about all this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so just the background, like again, I said I found you on Twitter, went to your blog. And really just enjoyed your take on personal finance because it's different from what you hear where most people are not wanting to spend money and why maybe the most inexpensive thing. You're focusing on luxury, on quality purchases of items. So can we just go to what that's all about for you? Did you always enjoy the finer things in life?
1: No, I definitely didn't. For me, frugality means Something totally different from the normally interpreted definition is for me, frugality is more about maximizing the value of what you're getting. And that doesn't always mean just not spending money or spending the cheapest or buying the cheapest item that you can. But to answer your question, no, I was not always into the finer things in life. Since your podcast is called Journey to Launch, I should maybe talk about my background a little bit.
0: Yeah, let's go there.
1: Yes. So my parents are immigrants from a developing country. My dad only had a third grade education and my mom never went to the school, so she actually can't read or write in any language at all. So I had a really unique background where I was like a latchkey kid and I was home alone with my sister since I was like four years old. And we had a super simple lifestyle, didn't go on vacations, no activities, no summer camps, went Clothes shopping once a year. I really learned how to do so much more with less, I think, with that kind of background.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, would you say then having less growing up and having to be more resourceful, it helped you not only value money, but did it also kind of push you to want nicer things? And I know people are like, okay, what do you mean by nicer things? They're probably like, okay, you kind of being vague here. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into the kind of the things that you like. But do you think that also kind of pushed you to say, hey, when I get the opportunity, I'm gonna be able to buy that thing I always wanted or what I couldn't afford before?
1: I think that that is a common way of dealing with a childhood that is kind of limited. But I think for me, it's a little bit different, because I always felt I had enough. And that's because I didn't really know that I was different. I wasn't really around other people that were kind of in a different socioeconomic class. When you're kind of growing up and playing outside and all of the kids around you are like that too, you feel like you're middle class too. So I never really felt deprived. And I think that's something that's probably a little bit unique to my situation in terms of money. I always knew what it could do and what it was because I see my mom working like 84 hours a week. And sometimes she would have me go to the bank and cash her check for her and put aside some money. So I feel like I always had like a very early relationship with money and making financial decisions from a pretty early age.
0: Can I just ask in general where you grew up? I grew up in New England. Just for everyone who's listening, Lux is anonymous. So we're not going to go into too many of her details because we like to (laughs) protect her identity. And we're going to talk about why you do that also. But just growing up in today's society, with the access to social media and phones and seeing what everyone else has. So as a kid growing up nowadays, if you are deprived that you don't have as much as someone else, it's easier for me to see that. It's easier for that child to see that and maybe want more. I don't know if you felt that growing up to what you see happening today with kids growing up.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up in a small town, so I feel like the pressure to have things was so much greater And also the pressure just to conform to what everybody else is doing. But I also think that when I grew up, we didn't really have social media when I was a smaller kid. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I kind of escaped a lot of that sort of comparing and maybe wanting things. I mean, sometimes I would sit in class and I'd hear people rattling off all the presents they got at Christmas. And... I was just kind of like sit there quietly because my sister and I just had this one Christmas present to share. And one of the big reasons why not having all this stuff really bothered me was because I could see that it wasn't like my parents were depriving me. They were just doing the best that they could. And that was just kind of accepting my circumstances and knowing that they were working to just kind of Raise us and put food on the table, and any extras was just not necessary. So, I definitely feel like that attitude growing up has kind of stuck with me as an adult.
0: And you talk about a lot in your content about being self reliant. And so, for you, you wanted something different. You went off to go to school. And I think I read that you said you were the first person in your family to graduate.
1: I was, yeah. My sister didn't finish school actually.
0: And this is college, right?
1: No, she didn't finish high school. So it's funny because my sister was voted most likely to succeed and then she didn't finish high school. But anyway, so that's like one data point Uh. and why I think school is not for everybody because she's actually pretty successful now. So I feel like I was the first person to graduate high school and go to college. And so I didn't really have the same kind of models of success at home or people at home telling me what to do for like you know you should apply for this and do that and go to these programs and so I kind of just felt like I just really had to go through life trying things and experimenting and if it didn't work just try something else and I still kind of hold true to that today.
0: So I've been saying okay you like nice things you like luxury what does that mean for you like talk about what you like spending your money on today.
1: The big thing that I spend my money on today is definitely travel mostly international travel I try to prioritize as much as possible and I also tend of spend the majority of my money on clothes so basically travel and clothes and those are the two basic categories that I spend all my money on and I don't really spend money on anything else going back to like the whole luxury aspect. I've always been super picky about things. I always wanted things to be a certain way. It's like I didn't want a black shoe. I wanted a black shoe that had these five different qualities. And in order to get all of the things that I want, I had to actually spend more and the things that I would buy would just happen to be luxury. So I think when people do hear about luxury, they think status symbols and Chanel bags and things like that. And that's totally fine and cool if you love that stuff. But those things aren't necessarily my style. So I have my own kind of definition of luxury. And I think that the price points that I buy, maybe like $400 for like a trench coat or something, probably considered luxury for lots of people.
0: Mm-hmm. And But you're looking more at it as a luxury item, but something that will last, right?
1: Something that will last and something that's really me and just suits my personality.
0: I like your whole Twitter tagline because it says, I save half of my income and buy $400 shoes. (laughs) How does one justify or reconcile spending $400 on a pair of shoes and being fiscally responsible?
1: There's lots of ways. The first one would be really understanding your priorities. I'm not afraid to make sacrifices to get what I want. One example is, One thing I could never really justify spending my money on was rent, ever. The minute I was living alone, on my own, 23 years old, living in Boston, I saw rents were $800. And I thought, that's crazy. I know that, okay, it's a big city. Rents are going to be more expensive. But I'm like, you know, I think that I can probably do something else. Because I'm like, you know, when I'm 80 years old, Am I really going to look back when I'm younger and think, oh, I really wish that I got that more expensive apartment? One is really understanding your priorities. And then two is one thing that you'll never hear me say is I can't afford something. I'll ask myself, like, how can I afford it? Like, What are things that I can do? Can I resell things so that I can raise the money to buy this thing? Can I find something secondhand? Maybe not the best example, but buy an individual stock and maybe make some money. But I think looking for ways to find a way to get what you want. And then in terms of justifying it, I think that as long as my financial goals are being met, I basically can do whatever I want with my money. So I think in terms of financial goals, you have to know how much you want to save and have a concrete number so that you have a specific guideline that you just don't ever cross.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. And one of your blog posts that I'd liked, you talked about your dream purchase of this Cartier tank watch, right? And you talked about, you haven't bought it yet, but you want to, and you went through a checklist of what you're gonna do to be able to prepare to buy this. And you kind of mentioned some of it here. So can you just go through some of that? Cause I'm sure people are like, wow, like that sounds like it'd be a lot of money. So how are you gonna do that, Lux? And- just talk about that a little bit.
1: Okay, yeah. So the watch that I want, I think retails for about 4600, which I'm lucky enough that I do have that money, but I really don't want to spend that amount of money cuz I hate paying retail because clothes and a lot of luxury items are basically like cars or like you take them home and then they depreciate immediately. So again, just kind of going back to like really trying to pinpoint the value of things definitely drives what I do. The first thing that I was definitely trying to do was looking for a secondhand watch because like I said, they definitely depreciate and something like having resale value is really important to me. So the idea that like maybe I could buy a secondhand watch for maybe Twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars, and if something, if for some reason I don't like it anymore and just resell it back for about the same price, super appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I try really, really hard not to spend my day job money on luxury goods because for some reason I segment how I spend my money. So I feel like if I'm going to spend money on a luxury thing that I really don't need, I want to find another way to raise the money. So things that I've done would be like taking on a part-time job or doing a side hustle or selling some things on eBay or buying this individual stock, which I don't recommend for anybody else unless you are okay with losing all your money. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my case, I got really lucky looking for ways to come up with the money, even using apps like stash or some of those other apps that like squirrel away little small amounts of money periodically so that you're kind of always saving in the background
0: yeah and i actually really like the fact that you talked about buying it second hand because a lot of the times like you said it's like a car it depreciates as soon as you walk out of the store with it so if you can buy something that's still has been taken care of secondhand, you're going to save a lot of money. And I really like you saying that you don't like spending your day job money on it. So if you really want this extra item, you're going out and you're hustling for it. And I would imagine you appreciate it even more because you have to put all this extra effort into getting it, right?
1: I was able to raise the money now, but I'm taking my time actually buying it. So actually, there's two outcomes. The longer you wait for something, you could either stop liking it, Or it's just so much sweeter once you actually get it. Mm. So I'm hoping for me, it's the second one.
0: I really like that. And I do advise people to do this, where it's just like, instead of making an impulse buy. So even something you're just not even thinking you would buy anyway, and you just go out to the store and you like it. And all of a sudden you just need to have it before you just go buy it, especially if it wasn't in your budget or something you were thinking about before, give it some time, give it some space. And then even if it is something on your wish list, still give it some space and see if you want it six months later because there are tons of things that probably I first bought and they were expensive items and maybe a couple months later I could care less about them or I didn't value it as much so I do really like that approach and listen this could be for anything I know we're talking about luxury items here guys but really just look at it as anything. If there's like just an item, something that you want, doesn't have to be luxury, right? It doesn't have to be like something very expensive. It could just be something out of your normal budget that you can start looking at it in these ways and saying, okay, how can I, apart from my day job or apart from my goals, how can I reach this? How can I attain this item or this goal and start working towards it that way?
1: I totally agree with you. Like making a list or you know coming up with some way of documenting what you want for me I use Pinterest boards when I want something I just pin the items picture on my wish list board sometimes I'll go back maybe a month or two later and I'm like what was I thinking with that thing that was a terrible idea and so I'm just constantly curating it and then I think yeah it really does help kind of stave off some of the bad decisions too
0: Mm-hmm. And then you talked about, you went to school, graduated, and you say this a lot in your content. I'm not sure if you said it yet on the podcast, but you didn't graduate making a lot of money. So you worked yourself up, you, you've you increased your income, but talk about how you did that because I'm sure there are listeners saying, well, okay, I also have an eye for the finer things, but I'm in no position to buy anything really nice right now. How do they prioritize maybe buying something for themselves and quote-unquote treating themselves once in a while? And then even when they don't have the high-paying job, and then how does one then work themselves up to a point where they can do what you're doing is making these conscious decisions?
1: One of my early jobs after school, I was making about 11 85 an hour, and I was living with two Guys, my age in a two bedroom apartment. So, one of them was living in the living room with a little curtain separating mm-hmm. as the door. And so, I kind of feel like, I don't know, in a way, it's almost like a rite of passage if you live in the city. But I, it was what you did save money. I think my rent was like maybe 450 or something. And so, I don't know, I saw like these Marc Jacobs shoes that I wanted on eBay and they were $300. And I decided to buy them, even though I wasn't making a lot of money thinking about my lifestyle back then. And I really didn't spend very much money. It didn't cost a lot of money for me to eat. My rent was what it was. I used public transportation to get to and from work and to see friends and things. And then when I would go out with my friends, I'd only drink one or two drinks, and that's it. And so my life just really wasn't that expensive. So again, it goes back to finding ways to kind of really cut back on spending money on the things that you don't care about. Because the other way that I could have gone is feeling like, okay, I graduated college. I should live alone now because I'm an adult. I just never really had that thought. Mm -hmm. All my money would have been going to my rent. I would have thought like, oh, I should... Buy all this new furniture and decorate my apartment a certain way because that's what adults do. So, I think for me, just doing what I think is the best thing for me instead of what society thinks is the best thing for me made a really big difference. And then, in terms of being able to move up from a lower salary, and then I definitely make a healthy salary now, my first full time job. Salary was thirty three thousand dollars, so that's low for even lots of people now.
0: And you were in New York City, or where were you at that point? I was in Boston. Boston, okay.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty expensive too. And I think the big thing for me has been basically moving on to a new job about every two to three years. That has made a huge difference. I actually have never asked an existing job for a raise or promotion they either gave it to me by themselves or I had moved on to a new job and that's where my raise came from so if you think about moving on to a new job and then also what's important is actually negotiating and asking for more during that initial job offer stage has made such a huge difference even if it was only like $3,000 $3,000 or $5,000. That just totally compounds over the years.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what industry do you work in? If I can ask.
1: I work in advertising now. Okay. But I've worked in like a bunch of areas. Oh, like kind of media slash communication based. Okay. So like pretty low paying.
0: Right, right. But then I like how you did say in your blog that the easiest way to get a salary increase is by changing jobs because you're more likely to be able to negotiate a market rate versus if you're in a job for years and years, your inflation or percentage of increase is not going to be that much over time as compared to if you were to leave.
1: Yeah, and I think that for some people who stay in their job for a really long time, it can really work out for them because they have equity in their company. They could definitely rise within the ranks. But I think for my industry, it was crucial to continue moving on. And yeah, I think that has been the number one way for me to increase my salary.
0: Right, and I can tell you're in New York City because I just heard uh, ambulance or fire truck. <laughs> <Sorry>. i <right. laughs> tried to close the curb. No, 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 it's fine. It's just so funny because like this is typical like New York City life, guys. <laughs> you're hearing it first. Okay, so did you graduate with any debt? So some people, right, they're graduating school, they have tons of debt, even they're like, far beyond graduation and they're still dealing with paying off debt. What was your financial picture looking like when you graduated and what is it looking like now?
1: So I got really lucky. I graduated with about $17,000 in debt. And I think with interest that I didn't really pay attention to, I ended up paying about 23000 over time. So the reason why my debt was pretty low is because I decided to go to an in-state school. So I actually got into a lot of private schools. But when I was looking through the financial aid packages I was getting, I was just like, okay, after school, I'm still going to owe like thirty or $40,000. And I just felt like that was just so much money. And I know that I'm in a unique position because my parents couldn't really helped me with understanding and processing that stuff but I think that having that sense of what is a lot of money and what isn't I think really helped me minimize my student loan debt so I think it took me about seven long years because I basically got the letter after school it's like oh you have to start paying this six months later so I was like okay I'm just gonna wait until that happens and I just kept paying the minimum because I just worked like random odd jobs. I didn't have a full time job for a really long time. And then once I did get the full time job, that's when I kind of really went all in and just tried to annihilate that debt as quickly as possible. It's not one of those sexy stories that you're going to see on blogs.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know what? I You just said you got lucky. That's not luck. You were smart about what school you went to. You went to in-state. And you worked hard to pay that off over time. I mean, 20-something thousand isn't a little bit of money. So kudos to you. Yeah,
1: I know. But I mean, when I was a 16-year-old, knowing that I couldn't go to the school that I wanted, I remember like crying in my bed. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I think I would have been okay no matter what school I went to.
0: Right. You know what I find fascinating is that growing up where your parents didn't have much, they weren't able to provide in terms of the materialistic things. You had to deal with, the permission slips and translating things for them as you were a little child and being a latchkey kid. I can relate to some of that. I was raised by a single mom. I was also a latchkey kid. I would go home by myself and (laughs) stay home till my mom got home as a child because we had no other option. But that kind of pressure or that environment, I feel like you can go one of two ways. You can not know any better and not know to search for better or do better and you kind of fall into that same environment and you don't level up. Or it can force you to be self-reliant, resourceful, and a go-getter. And so I'm just seeing that kind of thread between your story and my story. And I'm sure people listening can also probably in their own situation see that it was like a blessing, even though you felt like it was like the end of the world, that you didn't get into a private school. You know, you couldn't afford the private school you wanted to go to, just like there were some things I wanted in life I didn't have. They were actually the things that probably propelled us to the success points we are right now. So it's almost like it helped us.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I feel so lucky to have been born in the circumstances that I was. And it doesn't have anything to do with the money. I never felt like I needed that stuff to be happy. And it's just like, okay, I have a mom who is a really great mom and she does the best she can and that's really the most important Thing there is. So yeah, I kind of feel like, super grateful for all of that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The struggles and the lack of things actually is the blessing. It's what makes you you. Okay, gather round journeyers, I have a special special treat for you. My favorite budgeting app, YNAB, which stands for you Need a Budget is giving something really special to journeyers for being a journeyer. So this budgeting app is the same budgeting app that I use, that my husband used that we use together to save $169,000. Now, no, this budgeting app will not give you $169,000, but what it helped do for us is figure out where we could save more money. So after we decided we were gonna aggressively save and invest, we put a lot of that money. So about half of that money was to go to our pre-tax retirement accounts, but the other part of the money was what we got home in our take-home pay. And so how were we able to still live a life we enjoyed, still do the things that matter to us as what Lux is talking about in this episode, but still save? We budgeted and we used this amazing budgeting app. And I know a lot of you guys are struggling with budgeting and getting a system that works best for you. And YNAB, I think, is a great, great place to check out because it really is a slick, useful tool that you can use on your desktop or on your phone to figure out what you're spending, to keep track of it. Your partner, if you're budgeting with a partner, can also look at it on their phone or on their computer. And it's a really cool way to really keep track of your finances. So YNAB is giving two months, that's two months free for journeyers who wanna try it out. No credit card required. How amazing is that? Typically, they only give like one month free. They're giving you journeyers two months free to try this out. Give it a chance, no credit card required and you can figure out how to budget, how to figure out if this system works for you and it works for us. So I'm hoping that you'll enjoy it too. So if you want to check out your two months free of YNAB, go to journeytolaunch.com. Slash YNAB. Once again, that's journeytolaunch.com slash YNAB to get your two month free trial today. All right, journeyers. Now, in terms of your prioritizing, even though you are making some nice purchases, one that you're planning to make is this Cartier watch, you make sure that your financial goals and that your current situation is in the right place. So can you just talk about like, you're maxing out your 401k, you're making sure you're putting your financial goals first, and then you're able to spend freely on the things that you value, right?
1: That's my recipe for not feeling guilty about spending money. I think guilt when spending money is actually a big issue for a lot of people, even if they have the means. I don't know, maybe they grew up in an environment like when their parents talk about money, and they were like, always arguing, or like, it was talking about money always meant something bad. So I feel like it's something that a lot of people have to work through. As I've mentioned before, as long as your savings goals are being met, then you can do whatever you want. And I think being able to put away as much money as possible without really sacrificing my lifestyle. And it doesn't mean that I buy everything I want, but I know that there are some things that I can buy that aren't actually gonna really make me happy. So I just forego all of that stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. So then how do you prioritize then, right? Someone has a list of things they want. You have your list, you have your Pinterest board and you kind of have all these nice items that you're looking at. How do you then say to yourself, okay, I'm gonna buy this, or you know what, this doesn't make sense. How does one prioritize that list? Yeah, I
1: think there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself. Looking at exactly what you have currently, I think a lot of times, we already have what we need, and then like we just want to buy something that's a duplicate. So I think asking yourself, do I have something similar to this already? And then if you do, then that would definitely drop down to like the bottom of the prioritization list. If you do find a gap in your existing wardrobe or your jewelry collection or whatever it is. For me, like I don't have a watch. And like I've always worn a watch ever since I was a little kid. So I think that's my one piece of jewelry that I'll wear every day, day in and day out. And so that something that I'm going to use constantly every day goes straight up the prioritization list. Mm -hmm. When the money becomes less of a factor, I guess, because I know that like, okay, if I buy these sneakers for $400, I'm going to wear them every single day. I'm not gonna spend that much money if I'm not gonna wear them every single day I work in a really casual environment so I don't spend money on work clothes or I don't go to a lot of fancy events so I don't spend money on dresses
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I have like a couple of heels that I have but like they're the type of heels that are gonna go with like a lot of different outfits frequency of use is a huge factor for me it's like the more likely I am to use that item oh higher the price point I'm willing to take.
0: And it's almost like a cost per wear, right? Like you're evaluating, okay, am I gonna wear this enough so it's worth the cost? And then I'm assuming because you're actually buying not just because it's name brand, right? Like, yes, that's part of it, but really you're looking at the quality. And so because you're buying higher quality, it lasts longer than probably me when I go buy a you know, Forever 21 cheap shirt. And it like, actually some of that stuff lasts a very long time, but some of it is like, by two washes in, it can't fit or it's a hole. That factors into.
1: I think this is misconception sometimes that fast fashion or you know some of the cheap stuff is going to disintegrate in your fingers. And I think that if you take care of it, no matter how much it costs, that's what's more important. And then you can make your clothes last so much longer. Again, it goes back to appreciating what you have. And I know that if I spend a lot of money on something, I'm going to take so much better care of it than something that i spent
0: five dollars on right and you said this in the blog post about the cartier watch that you actually wore another watch a cheaper brand as a test can you just talk about that i thought that was very smart
1: (laughs) yeah okay so the cartier watch that i want has leather straps which is not a watch that you want to go into the ocean in and everything i kind of felt like am i actually responsible enough to wear this watch If I actually wear a leather strap watch, am I going to end up ruining it? Because then I'm going to get so angry at myself if I spent all this money on this and then I was so careless. So I decided to buy this cheaper watch that had leather straps and I just wore it every day as a kind of interim watch also. And I actually ended up being pretty perfect after I wore it maybe a year. So I was like, okay after this test, I'm like, I feel like I can graduate to the next level now, almost. But yeah, I think it's an unusual idea. But I kind of feel like sometimes if you're not sure about whether or not you can handle something, maybe like a less expensive version could be a good idea. Although I usually advocate for people just kind of saving up for what they really, really want, because I've found that when I settle on things, it's almost always a bad idea and I end up never wearing it.
0: Well, there's like two things going on there. One is the idea of testing something out to make sure you appreciate something. It almost reminds me of you appreciate the little bit that you have and then you'll be rewarded. The universe will give you more because you appreciate like the little bit. So the fact that you did take good care of the watch that you had, it wasn't like the expensive, really, really nice one that you wanted but it was a watch that did this job that served its function and you respected it, you took care of it. And so it's just like, because you can honor that, you can graduate to the next thing. Like, I feel like that's one thing. And then the second thing is kind of buying something cheaper and you really don't like it. And you're kind of like bridging the gap just to get by when it's just not going to be worth it because you're never going to wear it or it's really not going to make sense in the long run. So it's like almost two different things, but they're both good points to talk about.
1: Sometimes people balk when they see like, oh, you spent $60 on a t-shirt. That's insane. You can just get one for $10. But I know that if I get the $10 one, it's not going to have all the qualities that I want. And I'm just never going to end up wearing it. And also, like, when you do that, it kind of makes you into a natural minimalist. And you just naturally have less stuff cluttering up your house and less stuff to take care of.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point because, you know, I actually earlier about the whole minimalism and frugality thing. And I definitely see how buying higher quality, more expensive things can lead to actually becoming more of a minimalist because you don't have to buy 10 shirts for $10 if you have two quality shirts for 50. You have less things. Yeah. Just a couple more points I really want to get into, because I really thought they were um, just nice to mention is that you talked about making sure you were saving until it hurt. So (laughs) can you just go through that and how someone can think about, all right, at what point can I keep pushing my savings rate, keep pushing how much I put into my retirement account until it's no longer comfortable, and then talk about Paycheck City.
1: Okay, yeah. One of the things that I would do is I would, kinda play around with my 401k contribution amount. When I first started saving and investing with a 401k, I had no idea how much I should actually be saving in this thing. So I thought, you know, I kinda started late. I probably should start saving as much as I can because I bet I'm behind and I need to catch up. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna try saving like 25% or something. Let me just see what happens. And then seeing if I could live off that amount. And then if there's an ongoing pattern where I'm constantly having to move over money from my savings to my checking account, then I know something's wrong. Contributing a lot of money to my 401k was definitely something that I did on purpose because I didn't want to get used to having so much money and then spending it all. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to kind of live on the bare bones so I think one of the ways that I would figure out how much money I could actually save say like I got a new job offer I would look at that salary and be like okay I need to figure out how much money I can save now that I have this new salary and I haven't gotten a paycheck yet so I had no idea so I would go on to Paycheck City and plug in all the numbers.
0: Paycheckcity.com, by the way. So just for people who are not aware, it's called paycheckcity.com and it helps you put in all your components of your paycheck, right? Yes.
1: And then I would plug in all my numbers and then it would give me like a estimate of what my paycheck would be. And then so I would subtract my fixed expenses, like my subway pass and my rent. And then I would use those numbers figure out these are the bare minimum expenses let me just try to save the leftover and then see what happens and then you know sometimes it didn't really work out so I was like okay I need to cut this down from 25% to 20% but I think when I first started saving I didn't have a very specific goal for what I was trying to do so I thought it's probably not a bad idea to just try to save a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) that sounds good and that will maybe give me some options for later
0: right So you said you felt like you weren't on target. Are you on target now that you are aggressively saving so much?
1: Yeah. And I think part of that reason is because every time I did get a raise, I would always bank the difference. Or I don't know, I got a tax refund or something, then that would always be saved. Mm -hmm. I always was very careful about keeping my lifestyle inflation down. I mean, obviously, as you get older, and you make more money, it's gonna naturally happen. But I think as long as you're conscious about it, and you try to be like, okay, I got like a $5,000 raise, maybe I will use 20% of it to do something fun, and then I'll invest it. That's another way if you don't want to invest everything.
0: Yeah, that's a good tip. And something I always say to people just watch the lifestyle creep and invest your raises if you're not putting it towards paying off debt and getting you further ahead then put it towards your 401k or Roth IRA and don't even think about it.
1: Yeah, after a while, I think saving just becomes this habit and then it's almost like spending money is the thing that you don't like doing and then saving your money and then watching it grow ends up being the thing that you get addicted to, so the tables kind of turn a little bit.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs>
1: Like I thought today was payday. So I'm like, oh my God, I got to go in the mint and I need to look at my net worth and see how it's grown. I didn't, I just like seeing the money land in my bank account. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, it's the wrong day. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I get excited about that actually means something.
0: It's almost just like switching your frame of thought and what you get your satisfaction from. Because once you start getting into the swing of things, even if it's paying off debt, right? Say you're in debt payoff mode. And so when you really start seeing that traction, and it's like a snowball effect and you see the the principal going down, and then when you get into just even like investing, and I'm telling you, even if it's just like $100, $200, it snowballs, as you keep going, the more and more it grows, your investments or the more and more your debt reduces, you'll get a rush from that. You'll start having this intrinsic happiness about it that you wouldn't be surprised where it's just like, all right, and then... The next time you get a raise or next time you do have a windfall, quote unquote, you're going to want to put it towards whatever goal that is to keep getting that feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that sticking the course is the hardest part, and especially early on, because you might have six figures in loans or you might be like, how am I ever going to get to save $10,000, even $1,000? That can seem like totally insurmountable, but you stay the course and you keep it consistent. You will get there. And then that money, like you said, it's just going to keep snowballing and snowballing. And then the whole compounding effect, it's like your money is just going to seem to just magically grow out of nowhere. And that's just such an amazing feeling to see.
0: Hmm. Is financial independence a goal for you? I know you're in the personal finance space with the blog, but is that something financial independence, something you're traveling on that journey?
1: Financial independence for me is not something that I've actually sketched out like an entire plan for. But there's a reason why I try to save as much as I can, is so that I can have that option. If I decide to get laid off or decide to quit or decide to retire totally early. And that's the reason why I say but I think a big priority for me is making sure that the life that I have now and the present is what I want to do. And that's why I spend a lot of time and effort into the whole traveling thing is because I just think it's just easier for me before the kids. And, you know, I've seen like older people traveling and traveling with my mom, like there are just certain things that she can't do. And so I just feel like I don't want to wait like five years or 10 years to kind of start my life, you know, just like how I am with money. I want to strike that balance between living my life now and being happy, but then having that option later, just in case I want to retire early. Mm,
0: I love that. I love, it's really the theme of our talk is you striking the balance between living your best life now, enjoying things now, but then being smart, obviously about your future. And that's what it's all about. Because that's the thing, because I'm about to have like a couple talks about minimalism and not spending money. I'm the kind of person, I like all aspects. I like to pick and choose and cherry pick what works for different people and see what works for me. And I'm not someone who believes in deprivation. Even though I'm not into luxury, luxury items, I value where I live. So like we spent a lot of money redoing our kitchen. Things like that matter to me versus other things. Like you said, I prioritize. So I just think it's good to talk about all sides because like you said, it doesn't have to be one side of things. Because there are a lot of people who want to spend money and they're like shamed about it. They feel shamed because everyone's telling them they shouldn't want a, like a $400 bag or $400 shoes. And it's like, no, it's OK to want that. It's just have your priorities in order.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like especially in our space, there's so much judgment about like what's bad spending and what's good spending like oh my god if you buy a single thing that you don't need it's like you need to go to hell or <laughs> for some reason traveling is always okay even though that's thousands of dollars but yeah i just think there needs to be a less stigma over what people are spending on because it,
0: it is personal right so i really really enjoyed this chat and i hope journeyers enjoyed this too so lux tell everyone where they can find you if they want to learn more
1: I can be found at the Luxstrategist.com. that's l-u-x-e strategist and then I can also be found on Twitter and Instagram
0: right and I will link all your contact in the episode show notes but thanks again so much Lux I love this conversation thank you
1: oh thank you so much for having me
0: I really, really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lux. As I said, you can get anything we talked about. Find more about Lux at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 58. That will take you to the episode show notes where you'll see the links to all her stuff and some of the blog posts that we mentioned. And what I really, like I said, liked about this was that it was from a different perspective of what we usually hear in the personal finance space. Because I'm not into shaming people for their choices or what they like in life. I believe if you're still able to hit your goals, if you are thoughtful about your consumption, then yes, you can spend on whatever it is you want. Whether that's a nice bag, nice shoe, nice car, nice house, expensive house, expensive car. Look, I'm not here to judge you. I want you to be thoughtful about the way in which you're reaching financial independence and perhaps you're at a stage where it's not the smartest thing for you to go buy a $200, $400 pair of shoes because that doesn't fit into your goals and you're still in debt. So that might not work out for you and not be the best thing. But if you are on top of your goals, if you are intentional about this, if you're saving for it, right? If So if you're making room in your budget for these things, then yes, go ahead. The point of this journey is to still be content and happy. And I think reaching down to to realize why it is you want the things you want is important. Do you want this luxury item because it's just signifies that you are worth it, right? Is it because you're trying to prove something to someone else? Or are you just simply into nicer things or you like the nice quality things that you can afford? So again, just wanted to bring this amazing conversation to light so we can start as a community, start looking at our own expenses, start looking at what makes us happy and not feel shameful about those things. Don't forget, if you are listening to this, enjoying this, share that with your family and friends. Tag me on social media. I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, don't forget to join the Journey to Launch community over at JourneyToLaunch.com slash community. That's the Facebook community. And this is very important. So if you are enjoying this and you're listening to this in Apple podcast, please just leave a review, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It's important to me because I just love seeing your reviews in that app. But don't worry, if you don't listen to an Apple podcast, totally fine. Just sharing it with your family and friends is enough for me. Okay, so until next time, keep on journeying, journeyers.